The dying words of any are cherished. They're held as important, especially for those who are nearest and dearest to us. How much more so then some of the last words of the Savior ere he crossed over the Kidron Valley and then on to Calvary. Because men and women, that is the setting of the chapter that is before us tonight. The Lord in the very next chapter will be betrayed by his familiar friend. He will be arrested. All his disciples will have fled and forsook him. He is within hours of being taken and crucified in yonder middle tree. And that makes it all the more important to consider what he says. What was he teaching? There is two themes particularly in this passage, this chapter. That of the immediate history of what was going to happen to the temple and to the city of Jerusalem. They stood and they looked at this magnificent edifice, the size of it, the grandeur of it, the construction of it, and how it was constructed with precious stones. And yet the Lord brings some reality into what was going to take place before them. When he said that the day would come, that not a stone would remain upon another stone, for it will be thrown down. Verse 6. As for these things which ye behold. The days will come in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another. That, not, that shall not be thrown down. It seems something almost impossible. Yet the Lord foretells. Of what was going to take place. Before it happened. And in verse 20 and following where we commenced. Our reading, it speaks of how the city will be surrounded by the armies. Days of great distress. Days of vengeance. Times have been taken captive and scattered. And the city trodden down by the Gentiles. But you'll notice, it's only until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled at the end of verse 24. And following that, he's not found speaking of their immediate history. But the second theme, he speaks about the end itself. The time when his kingdom shall be ushered in. And time shall be no more as we know it. It shall be marked by his return to this earth. He came the first time in weakness and as a babe. He's coming the second time in all power and glory. As the king of kings and lord of lords to set up his kingdom and to reign with all his people. Is there a subject any more important? But that said, there are wrong ways in which to look at this subject. And one of them, we might say both of them are prevalent today. One way Wrongly to look at it is by spending all our time in attempting to prevent it taking place. That's what the world would have us do. The narrative tonight in the world is how this world is doomed. And we need to do something about it. 
and we need to do something now. And hence, the billions are being pumped into the ideology of climate change and trying to prevent the end as the world thinks of it. But equally wrong is to try and work out when that end shall be by looking at world events and paying more attention to what's happening in terms of times and seasons and with regard to our own souls and what God says. And there are many tonight looking at the many happenings that are occurring right across our globe. And we've got to think of the Middle East in particular. And we can think of the wars in Ukraine and other places. And men and women's eyes are very much upon what is happening. But it is at the expense of their soul. And it is at the expense of what God says. And so therefore I want for us to consider tonight the end. I want you to notice first of all Christ's teaching. If you look at this chapter, you'll see at least twice over the words, take heed. One of them is found in my text tonight, or that which will form my text in verse 434. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell in the face of the whole earth. Take heed. Two times over, both occasions are spoken by the Lord himself. The other one is when his disciples ask that inevitable question. When they've heard about what's going to happen to the temple, they ask in verse 7, when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? And he said, verse 8, take heed that ye be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. To take heed is to pay attention. And boys and girls, maybe you have heard that from your mom or your daddy. Maybe you've heard it from your teacher in your class. And they want you to pay attention. They want you to listen to what they're telling you. You're to take heed. And essentially that's what the Lord is saying to his disciples here and what he's saying to us tonight. We are to listen to what he's saying. I underline to you that they are among some of his last words, certainly as a teacher in the temple area, amongst the crowds before him, before he went to the cross of Calvary. Here are some of the last words he spake. But there may be those who would ask, why should we listen? Why should we pay attention to, the, to Christ? There are plenty in this world to whom my ear is tuned into, to what they say. And why should I listen to this man of Galilee? For one reason, should you not take heed? Because this is no ordinary man. This is the Son of Man, the Son of God. These very verses before us prove that to be so if you have no other evidence, but you have. It was Christ who was to speak of their immediate history. 
of, of how Jerusalem will be raised to the ground, of how the nation will be scattered. It will be a day of great distress and trouble. The beautiful temple will be destroyed and all that went with it. And did not all that take place in AD 70 when the Romans come in and when the Romans destroyed the city, the unthinkable had taken place. The holy city was trodden down by Gentiles and the many were fell, had to fall or were to fall by the sword. And the Lord was to teach this and the temple was destroyed. Eddie 70. And here's the thing. Christ foretold it even before it happened. He speaks of it just within less than 40 years of happening. It proves that he was no ordinary man. He's the son of God who knows all things. He could speak of what was to happen in history just within a generation because he is God. And the one who could prophesy of their immediate history can also speak prophetically of what will happen when the end comes. You have every reason to listen to what Christ says. For he knows the end from the beginning. He's the one who holds the future in his very hands. None can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? This is the Son of God. This is the one that the Apostle Paul could say who loved me and gave himself for me. And the one who prophesies accurately concerning their immediate history is the one who also prophesies concerning the remote history of the end. And that too, it will be accurate. Are you listening to him? The one in whom it is said there was no guile found in his mouth. He never spoke a lie. He never told a half-truth. His works were miracles. His words were oracles. And he says, take heed. I tell you another reason why you ought to heed the teaching of Christ because already you're seeing as you look out of this old world of sin that his word is truth and his prophecies are coming to pass. Just look at the state of the world tonight. It turns on its head what is supposed to be the case if we listen to what the ideology of man is. What's the ideology of man? The ideology of man is that the world's getting better. You think of the advancement of mankind. You think of the technological advancements. You think of how man is excelling and he will do so until there's a perfect harmony abroad. You know what the Lord says? He said, in this world ye shall have tribulation. Ye shall have tribulation. He said, ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nation rising up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be the famines, the earthquakes, and divers places. Many shall betray one another. Many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. Iniquity or lawlessness shall abound. It's the very opposite to what man thinks tonight. And to add to that, (coughs) the conduct of men will wax worse and worse. They shall be lovers of their own selves. They shall be covetous. They shall be disobedient to parents, 
lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. When it comes to the things of the Lord and of the gospel, they'll turn their ears away from the truth and unto fables. Now look at the state of even our wee nation tonight and tell me, has the words of Christ not already come to pass? Look at a sinful world tonight and in the most optimistic of estimations, in the most conservative of opinions, it's not getting better. It's going down all the time into sin. It's going to hell. And that's why you ought to take heed. Because Christ's word is coming to pass. The Savior warned of these things taking place. The state of this world tonight ought to cause you, dear loved one, to listen to the teaching of Christ, to take heed to what he's saying concerning the end. For this world proves that his word is truth. Indeed, we might say as he did, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Verse 33. Christ's teaching. Are you listening? Are you taking heed? Secondly, I want you to notice the cessation of time. What these words of the Savior teach is that there's a definitive time limit on this world. It will not run on endlessly. For the Lord taught that there will be the day when he shall return. The day no man knows but the Father only. Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 13 in the words of verse 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. The very angels that go at the Lord's bidding, they don't know this day. They don't know what day is marked on God's calendar. But of that day, it will mean the cessation of time as we know it. The promise that the Lord gave to Noah and his family when they came out of the ark, do you remember it? It was while the earth remaineth, there will be seed time and harvest, there will be day and night, there will be cold and heat, there will be summer and winter. It shall not cease. It's a promise. But it's a promise only while the earth remaineth. Only while the earth remaineth. You see, there will come a day when we'll not need the seasons. For the Lord shall have come and there's Certainly will be no night in heaven. There'll be no need of the sun there either, for the Lamb is the light thereof. But why is it that this earth will one day pass away? It's because man has fallen into sin. When God created Adam, he did so after his own image. Adam would live eternally as long as he didn't disobey and rebel against the Lord. To take of that forbidden fruit was upon the curse of death. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, Adam. And thus when man sinned, when Adam sinned, he fell from that perfect state. He died to God. 
And he started to die physically, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's the reality tonight. Man has sinned. He's born with a fallen nature, and this earth has already been cursed by God as well. The very creation groans. It longs for the day of the Lord's return and for the final redemption. You read of that in Romans chapter 8. This old world will one day cease. Because God, being a holy God, must and will punish sin. God will come with judgment upon sinful man. And if you look at these words of the Savior before he went to the cross, you'll realize something. You'll realize that this judgment will be universal in its nature. I want you to read again with me the words of verse 35. He says, For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. That covers all. It will be the day of the great dividing of the Lord when he shall gather the nations before him and he shall separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats of the impure from the pure of the fisherman that he separates the good fish from the bad fish of the righteous from the unrighteous from the saved from the unsaved. The whole of humanity shall be judged. And we know who the judge of all the earth shall be because God has decreed it. Acts chapter 17 in the words of verse 31. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised them from the dead. Just in case you don't know who that man is. There's one who is raised from the dead and that is Christ. Raised from the dead, never to die again. He shall be the judge. For those who have heard the message of hope to their souls, yet rejected Christ, and their judgment shall be everlasting torments. Everlasting punishment in that place prepared for the devil and his angels. For I want you to understand, contrary to what public opinion might be, Contrary to what is proclaimed by many a false prophet, there is no message of hope that this world can offer. There is no hope for this world because James reminds us that this world is enmity against God. The only message of hope is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The coming of Christ, as throughout the scriptures, is often betrayed as sudden. Oh, there may be the different timelines... (coughs) there may be the different events that commentators may speak of and all of that, but this they are agreed on, that Christ will come suddenly. How sudden? Well, we've read it. Look at the end of verse 34. It says, And so that day come upon you unawares, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. And most of you will know how a snare operates, being in the country. There is, a, by its very nature, a hiddenness. There is, by its very nature, the element of surprise to the unsuspecting animal. The bird or the fox doesn't know until the metal jaws of that snare has enclosed it. It's caught it in the cage. I maybe have told you before, we had a, 
a, a guard dog, an Alsatian guard dog at home. And always I went out over the fields with my father every morning. One day it didn't come, morning, it didn't come back. What had happened was it got its foot in one of the fox snares. Now that dog was a smart dog. I never had a better dog. And if it had known that the snare was there, it wouldn't have went near it. It knew how smart it was. It knew not to pull against it. It just sat there and waited for my father to come and release him. Didn't even break his leg. But the snare, by its nature, is unexpected. It's sudden. And that's the word that the Lord uses here even to speak of his coming. That's how the Lord describes this day. It shall come unawares. In other places, he speaks of it in a different view. It's as the thief in the night. The thief doesn't make an announcement. He just comes. Or it's like the strike of lightning in the night sky and suddenly opportunities in the gospel are gone. It's God's appointed time and this world as we know it shall have ended. Shall cease. Men and women, it doesn't matter that man doesn't believe there's a God. The fool hath said in his heart there is no God. It not make any difference that people turned to humanism and thought that they were gods themselves or spiritism or any of the other isms that have crawled out of hell. It doesn't matter that they were unbelieving that the Lord was coming back as with those whom Peter knew in his day and he speaks about even in his epistles. It doesn't matter that man turned his back on the things of God and said, I will go my own way. I will do my own thing. It will not prevent the coming of the Lord. It will not prevent the cessation of time. It will not postpone the appointed day of God when he shall say enough is enough. And the world shall end. What does matter is how you stand spiritually before him. There is a certainty that this world will end one day. For God has decreed it. And it will not be by a flood. For he did that once. That leads me on to my final thought, and that is the charge to prepare. The charge to prepare. If the animal knew there was a snare lying in wait, then they would do all they could to avoid it. But man is different to the beast of the field. Man has got a soul. And that means that he can, has the ability to hear, he has the ability to understand. And that is why the Lord has given us his word. That we might know what lies ahead. That there is the great judgment day of the Lord. In which as we have already seen all that dwell in the face of the earth. The whole earth shall be present at. That includes those that were in their graves. It includes those that were buried at sea. It includes those that were scattered upon some hillside. They'll all be there. And the only thing that matters in that day is what you read at the end of verse 36. And to stand before the Son of Man. To stand before the Son of Man. 
Or if you're not able to stand before the Lord of glory, and you'll be swept away in the judgment. That is depict, depicted graphically for us in the Scriptures by how the psalmist opens the book of Psalms. I draw your attention to Psalm 1. First three verses. He speaks of the blessed or the happy man. He's likened to the tree planted by the rivers of water whose fruit is in its season. His leaf doesn't wither, and so we could go on. But the ungodly are not so, he says. But are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The ungodly are likened to the chaff. The chaff is swept away when it comes to the threshing floor. It's threw up into the air, the good grain itself. It falls down, it is collected. It's separated from the rubbish and the wind scatters the chaff. The ungodly will be blown away in the judgment of God against sin and they shall not be able to stand before the Son of Man. How, preacher, will I be able to stand on that great day? It's only by believing in Him to the salvation of your soul. It's only by belonging to Him. On that great and final day when time shall be no more and God shall wrap up this whole world like an old garment. (coughs) And behold, He shall make all things new. How do I believe? How do I know? How can I leave this house today knowing that I belong to him? It's coming as God's Spirit is striving with you, accepting Christ as your Savior and your Lord and what he has done for a sinner like you at the cross of Calvary. For there, in the very next chapter to where we are tonight, the Lord of glory, he took our sinful place He became the sinner's substitute. He stood into our place that he might bear the judgment of God for sin that we should have borne. And there he paid the price and endured the torments of hell so that all who believe in him will never have to. And that price was the giving of his life's blood. He gave us all that he might deliver his people from the snares of the devil and from the chains of sin that bind. He gave himself as that once for all sacrifice for sin, that sinners might be set free. For whom the Lord sets free, they shall be free indeed. And the Lord gives the invitation in the gospel. He says, Come all yet labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. He said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He says in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I wonder, will you heed his invitation in the gospel tonight? 
and be able to say here you leave this evening that you're not your own but that you belong to God. You're one of His. Will you obey the call of the Lord? Will you flee from the wrath of God that is to come? Will you take heed to the Savior's words tonight? There's a solemn charge issued in these words. It is application also to the converted. That is to take heed against how the world will seek to distract you and take you away, your attention, from the things that really matter. You see, I draw you back to verse 34. And he says, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says, you're to take heed. Lest your heart be overcharged, overtaken by suffering and drinking, drunkenness, excesses in eating, excesses in drunkenness, but also the cares of this life. That's what the world is about, you see. To distract you by the business. To distract you by the legitimate things of life at the expense of your soul and giving attention to the things of God and making that preparation for the end. Child of God, I trust you're not in that place. That these things that the Lord has indicated in verse 34 have become more important to you. And your affections are no longer on the things above, but your affections are on this earth which one day will pass away. The Lord says, take heed. And he's speaking to his people in particular. What's the answer? Verse 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always. That ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. And to stand before the Son of Man. When you're given to watching and praying. You'll not be way led. The priorities will be in the right place. And can I say to some of God's people on a friendly note, we're missing you in the prayer meeting. You're not there. And the Lord says, take heed. Watch ye, therefore, and pray always. That ye may be accounted worthy to escape. That can't mean escape by avoidance. People of God will not avoid these things by escaping by some rapture. Do you know why? Because that word means out of. In other words, it implies You're in the presence of it. You're not raptured away from it. Escape all these things that shall come to pass. And to stand before the Son of God. Your own converted will you take heed to the warning of the Lord. For the first time to really pray. That God might be merciful 
to you, the sinner, and save your never-dying soul. Lest that day come upon you unawares as a snare. You can be sure that you'll stand on that great day and the Savior shall own you as one of His. He'll be able to say as the advocate with the Father, She's mine. He's mine. For I purchased their redemption on Calvary's cross. And He'll be able to say, Come ye. Blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's what you can have the assurance of tonight. As in these words we've considered the end. The end. May the Lord bless his word and his truth to our hearts for Christ's sake. 604. 604 will sing. In closing, we're going home to glory soon to see the city bright. Walk the golden street of heaven and bask in God's own light. But some of you are out of Christ and held by many a snare. We cannot leave you lost and lone. We want you over there. Let's sing verses 1 and 3, page 420. We'll stand as we sing it. we have considered this evening and praise you the Savior said take heed to yourselves and oh God how he was to speak accurately of the end and Lord we recognize we're nearing that day we're seven days closer to it than this time last week and oh God there are those yet lost and lone. And we cannot leave them, Lord. 
We want them over there. And we pray, Lord, that I might speak with that still, small voice. I might bring them to Christ. Bring them to Calvary, Lord. Thank Thee for the one who paid our judgment. That we might be set free. We might be able to stand on that great day before the Son of Man. And to hear Him say, Come ye blessed of my Father. Lord, write thy word in our heart tonight. The challenge of it even to thine own people. I pray that part us with thy blessing. Thank thee for a good day in thy house. Continue with us. May the best yet to be. For we ask and pray these things in our Savior's precious and all prevailing name. Amen.